How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. Today, we am doing a three-round mock draft for the Bills and their upcoming draft. Later in the year, I'll be doing a full seven-round. A little too early to do that right now. And I'm going to be starting off by talking about the Buffalo Sabres, and it's probably going to be the last time I do so for a while, just because it gets me too amped up and I just over being frustrated and angry with this team. So I'm just going to go at it one more time about them, and then I don't know the next time I'll be talking about them. But this team is a disgrace. If you didn't see it last night, the Sabres lost at home 6-1 to to the Colorado Avalanche. The seats were half empty after the second period. Not only were the Sabres booed off the ice, but they were actually booed onto the ice to start the third period. If you go on StubHub, TickPick, whatever website you want to get tickets for, their next few games, two of which come against one of the NHL's worst team, the Detroit Red Wings, you can get tickets to that game for a whopping $7. And in case you didn't see it at the end of the game, there was actually a fan who threw a new 50th year stitched Rasmus Dahlin jersey onto the ice last night after the third period. I just This team continues to not address any of the issues they have. You continue to play Carter Hutton even though you know how bad he is. He's been allowing 5-6 to six goals in almost every single one of his starts this year since probably November outside of the game against Colorado on uh, Saturday. But yet, you continue to play him. You make no adjustment with that. Your line combinations are awful. You continue to play guys like Bogosian for absolutely no reason. And it's not just there's one simple thing wrong with the Sabres organization It's every single aspect. That's ownership, that's the general manager, that's the coach, and that's the players. So I'll go one by one for you. Let's start off with Ralph Kruger. Ralph Kruger, honestly, I don't think he's doing a terrible job. Of all the things to criticize Sabres, I think Ralph Kruger is on the low end of that list. The only things that I would continue to criticize about Kruger would be, A, I don't see enough emotion out of him personally. I want a coach that is going to be emotional when his team's playing bad. Uh, You can see it during games. He lets them have it. I don't see that. Granted, they don't show you that every second on TV, but I just don't see it enough. His line combinations are questionable still to me. Why we're paying Jeff Skinner $9 million a year throughout the year to play with Johan Larson, Vladimir Saboka, Evan Rodriguez, Zemgis Gergensens makes absolutely zero sense to me. And I also don't really understand why he continues to dress seven defensemen and 11 forwards. I mean, I know the line or like the players we have on the roster aren't great, which I'll get to Jason Botterill in a minute, but seven defensemen and 11 forward, I just don't get it. I feel bad for Eichel, Reinhardt, Skinner, and Darlene. Those are the only four players that this year I would say I have nothing bad to say about them. 
Jack Eichel's been nothing short of brilliant this year. He's a superstar. He's a top 10 player in the NHL, is in the MVP conversation. Sam Reinhart is making himself a boatload of money this year. I don't, or I feel bad for Skinner because he's coming off of a career year because of playing with Eichel or Reinhardt, and you refuse to put him with either of those guys. And I know in the past, Skinner's been able to score even when he hasn't had a top-tier guy. But you're putting him with the worst players on the team. And then Darlene, I know he had his struggles at the beginning of the year, but since like All-Star break or a little before, he's been the only competent defenseman we've had. You saw it in Reinhardt's postgame last night saying how the players need to hold themselves more accountable instead of just always blaming the system and the coaches. He says the coaches have a good system in place for them to win games and guys just either don't get it, don't care, or they don't look themselves in the mirror enough. And what do you want Jack Eichel to say after post games? I know people have been getting on him because he was quoted a few weeks ago saying, that it wasn't going to happen again this year as far as the collapse. And so far it has, but what do you want him to say? Do you want Jack Eichel, your captain of a franchise, to sit up there in the locker room after a game and say, you know what, yeah, I think we're going to collapse again this year. Like, come on. He's done nothing short of grow as a captain this year. I was at a game earlier in the year when they lost the Minnesota Wild. I want to say it was around Father's Day, might have even been Father's Day. Um, I think they lost 4-1, to one, and Eichel fought um, for the first time in his career in the NHL. And after the game, Montour was saying, oh, it was great for him to fight, but it didn't really spark us. That's just, that's the players. Like, I'm sorry, but that's on the players. And then you have... The whole issue with Pagula Sports and Entertainment and WGR after a fan named Dwayne, who's become famous, and I loved his energy on the radio with WGR. WGR tweets out his epic rant about the Sabres and the Pagulas, and WGR posts it, and all of a sudden it gets deleted because Pagula Sports Entertainment can't handle it. Going on to Jason Botterill. I will give Jason Bottle credit where credit is due. He has done an exceptional job with the Rochester Americans. Since he's gotten here, the Rochester Americans have been one of the top teams in the AHL year in, year out. And guys like Victor Rolfson, Asplund, Lazar, even Tage Thompson when he's been down there, they've done a good job of developing those players, Lawrence Pilot included, Borgen, all those guys. But this is the NHL. I'm glad we have a good farm system, but at the end of the day, it comes down what results you're producing at the NHL level. He was on WGR yesterday, which he rarely appears on because he, I think he's just scared to face the heat from all the fans. It seems like he's scared to make a trade because of the Ryan O'Reilly deal that blew up in his face. He said he's not going to make a trade and put this franchise in harm. Hey, Jason, knock, knock, wake up. What have you been doing for the past three years? You haven't done anything. The only good moves you've made in the past three years as a general manager was getting Jeff Skinner and Henry Okiaru. 
those are probably the only two moves that you made were relevantly good. Now, I will give Botterill the benefit down as far as like guys like Bogosian and stuff. That's really not his fault. Tim Murray was the one that got those guys. That bad contract was a contract that Tim Murray brought in. And it's hard to get that to go out. Now, where I think Botterill is going to get quite or needs to be questioned is does he communicate on a daily day basis with Ralph Kruger? I really honestly would like to know because if he says he does, I'm not sure if I believe him because you signed Jeff Skinner for $9 million per year and saw what he did with Eichel or Reinhardt or even put him with Olofsson this year, but you won't. And like, I just don't understand. Do you not have any communication with your coach about what you want done before you brought in Kruger saying, Hey, we just signed Jeff Skinner to $9 million per year because he scored 40 goals playing with Jack Eichel. He should probably continue to do that. I'd say this offseason is probably it for him if he doesn't do something drastic. I mean, what has he done trade-wise? You brought in Jimmy VC, Connor Sheary. You re-signed Jake McCabe. Johansson. You brought back Larson, Saboka, Gergensen's. And your trade so far, even though um, Elliot Freeman said Bottle's been working hard, every team in the NHL knows how desperate you are, your spur-of-the-moment trade and missing a WGR interview was to acquire Michael Froelich, 31 years old, and has a whopping two points since he has been a Sabre, and one of them's an empty net goal. Oh yeah, and by the way, he's making $4.3 million dollars. You want to know who else is making about $4.3, $4.5 million? The guys that were scoring on you last night. Nazem Kadri, JT Compter. Jonas Donskoy. All guys you could have tried to go acquire, sign in for agency, or guys just like that. But no, here we are sitting with Johansson at 4.5, Froelich at 4.3, Shiri at $3 million. We still have Bogosian at 5.1, which I mentioned really isn't his fault. 5.4. You trade a second-round pick to get Colin Miller, and then you don't play him. Like, what is going through your mind? He's your third-best defenseman, but let's keep throwing Zach Bogosian on the ice. Would I care if Botterill got fired tomorrow? No. Do I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt to go through the offseason and try to make some free agency moves now that we have an okay amount of cap when guys like Bogosian's contract come off the books? Sure. But if this season continues to go the way it's starting to, when you have eight out of nine games at home and a chance to really get yourself right back into a playoff race... And so far, you've lost three of those games in blowout fashion. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be having a job for much longer. And finally, let's get to the Pagulas. What are you doing? Where have you been? Are you actually the owners of the Buffalo Sabres? Because it sure doesn't look like it. You're telling me that you're not going to 
come out with statements to discuss, I don't know, why your alumni, when they go to turkey events or um, events in the community or just 90s night, whatever, why they're wearing jerseys that kids like me order from China for $20 and you can tell it's not real. The jersey logos are sideways. You have guys like Dave Anderschuk, one of the greatest Sabres of all time's name spelled wrong on his jersey. But where have you guys been? You don't listen to the fans. You have these polls out to say you want to help the fans out. Uh, your first year when you came to Sabres, starting today, the goal of the Buffalo Sabres' sole existence is to win a Stanley Cup. But yet, your arena's outdated. Your food sucks. You don't fix anything with the seats that are uncomfortable. When was the last time you've seen Terry or Kim Pagula out in about at a Sabres game or in the media? I got news for you, Terry. Go on Twitter. Go on Facebook. Go on Instagram. Whatever. Fans aren't happy and you're doing absolutely nothing about it. Some owner you are. Half of Buffalo really doesn't care because, yeah, honestly, you're doing a good job with the Bills. But you want to know why you're doing a good job with the Bills? Because you finally hired the correct personnel in which Bill Polian pointed you in the direction of getting McDermott and Bean after you screwed up the first time and hired Clown Rex Ryan. And all of a sudden, Pagula knows what he's doing because he actually hired some competent people. Give me a break. He has no hockey knowledge. The Sabres made the playoffs the first year he bought the team. Hasn't done anything since. Doesn't listen to fans. Has changed nothing with the arena. You think anyone in the arena cares about DJ Milk? And the floss cam? No, they don't. You have no hockey knowledge. You're incompetent. You don't hire the correct people. And then you don't even come out and publicly talk to your fan base saying, you know what, we need a change. Even if you were lying, at least come out and say that something has to be done instead of you and your wife being down at the Super Bowl while your team back home, the Sabres, are sucking it up on the ice. Like, come out and say something. Don't have Jason Botterill be your puppet and be like, oh, yeah, I talk with the Pagulas every day and they're clearly not happy. How about you tell your fans that and give them some reassurance that you are going to change this? That's all I have on that. I can't even get into it even more. The Sabres suck. I don't even know if I'm going to go to another game this year. They're dreadful to watch. You better be fixing it. Eichel's going to want out in the next three years, and you're going to wonder why. It's because your ownership sucks and you can't do anything. All right, moving on to the Bills. I got a three-round mock draft. Um, I could do a full seven-round. It's just hard to do mock drafts at this time just because you have players with injuries, Players go up and down um, draft boards based on scouting, combine, senior bowl, and whatnot. Uh, so I'm going to do a three-round draft. Um, I pretty much do draft simulator 
once a day almost, just kind of seeing what players would be available for the Bills. Um, it's also very tough to kind of predict um, who will be there, what round they're going to go in, because um, as I'm going to talk about in a second about who I have the Bills taking the first three rounds, my second and third round picks that I have, actually if you go look at uh, Matt Miller, who I think does a really good job for Bleacher Report, um, he has the both guys I have as second and third rounders, but the guy I have the Bills taking the third was a second, and the guy I have him taking the second was a third in his. Um, it all depends on everyone's rankings. There's only a few really good sites that do a good draft simulator. So it all depends on who's there, too. So this is just one I did um, yesterday. Um, so in the first round, I have the Bills taking Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver from LSU, with their 22nd pick. Six foot three receiver coming off an outstanding season with LSU, 1,540 receiving yards and 18 touchdowns. Um, it's clear the Bills need a playmaker. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth whether or not they think they're going to take an edge rusher or a wide receiver in the first round. Um, I think the wide receiver free agent class is very um, lackluster, so I think getting a guy in Justin Jefferson who's a clear cut. Um, future number one wide receiver in the NFL in the first round is definitely not a bad idea. Henry Ruggs, T. Higgins, uh, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, all those guys are slated to go in the first round. Um, I could see the Bills even trading up if a guy like Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb falls um, into that 10 to 15 range. Um, I don't think Jerry Judy will fall outside the top 12 after that. It's going to be, I think, interesting. It's a very deep wide receiver class. That's why it's kind of tricky to see if the Bills are going to go with one in the first or the second. Um, in the second round, I have them taking Bryce Hall, the cornerback from Virginia. Um, I know a lot of people would probably want an edge rusher here, um, but I think edge rusher is actually pretty deep in this draft class as well, and I'm still hoping that the Bills do go out and get Yannick Ngakwe um, to really go along with Jerry Hughes, and then maybe you can move on from Trent Murphy. But I think it's still uh, clear that the Bills do need another cornerback opposite of Tredavious White. Um, like I mentioned in a few podcasts ago, I'd definitely be okay but with bringing Levi Wallace back. He's a good backup cornerback and is capable of starting when needed. But I think this year we kind of saw his flaws play out in a lot of the games. And you know McDermott is still a defensive guy. So if you can get a starter opposite Tredavious White and even reassure that secondary a little bit more, um, I think it'd be great. Uh, Bryce Hall, six foot one, got good length. Um, twenty eighteen, he had sixty two tackles, two forced fumbles, couple interceptions, and twenty one pass deflections. Um, he's very good in zone coverage. They said he needs to improve a little bit man to man, but um, from the brief highlights I watched him this year, um, he looked like he got a lot better man to man. Unfortunately, he did miss most of the season uh, because of ankle surgery, but. Seems like he's going to be fully recovered and ready to go for uh, training camp. So I think him in the second round would be good fit for the Bills. And then finally in the third round, the 86 pick, I have them taking Bradley Anae, um, the edge rusher from Utah. He's a guy that if you look at uh, Matt Miller from Bleach Porter's mentioned before, Todd McShay, any of those guys, um, in their longer mock drafts, like the four or five round ones, he's one that's, been skyrocketing up draft boards especially off his performance at the senior bowl 
Um, he was dominating this past season. He had 13 sacks, 41 tackles, and a forced fumble. Um, good length to him. Good ability to get to quarterback. I think he needs to be a little bit more sound as far as run stopping. But I think with Oliver clogging up the middle, Harrison Phillips coming back, um, and if you add a guy like Ngakwe, and then you draft a guy in the third or even second, depending on where he would fall um, in Ane, to learn behind guys like either Ngakwe, Hughes, Murphy, whoever the Bills have on their roster during training camp, um, I think it would be a very good fit for the Bills um, to do that. I know there's been a lot of talk also about potentially drafting a running back around the third round, even higher. I know Todd McShay in his latest mock draft yesterday, 2.0 um, on ESPN+. Plus, He had the Bills taking running back DeAndre Swift from Georgia in the first round. Um, I've been on the record saying I don't want the Bills to take a running back in the first two rounds solely because I think everyone – overlooks how good Singletary was last year um and you saw how many people complained about Singletary not getting the ball enough and Frank Gore is getting too many carries to me I just don't understand why you're going to not like waste but I don't think the Bills are in position to just get cute in the draft and draft another running back just so you can have a two-headed monster when you have glaring needs at other positions um I think signing a guy like Jordan Howard, Austin Eckler, Eckler specifically because he can line up in the slot too and you can put him and Singletary on the field at the same time um, to go, or would go a long way compared to getting cute and drafting another running back and taking more carries away from Singletary, which a lot of people didn't want in the first place. I think Singletary is only going to continue to develop more and more and I think you can find those other guys in the fourth or three through six rounds who can be a good complementary back. Um, you saw in the first year um, when Rex Ryan was coach, when we first got LaShawn McCoy, we had Carlos Williams, who I believe was a fifth round pick. And it was a very good one-two punch. Williams was more of a goal line back, uh, gave Shady a breather when needed, especially because he was coming off an ankle injury. So being able to add a bigger body running back, I think, in the fifth or sixth round would be good for the Bills. But as I mentioned before, I'll come out with a more full seven-round mock draft once it gets closer to draft time. But yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Um, appreciate you all tuning in. Next week, I'm going to be talking about the outcome of the Super Bowl. Um, I'm going to be talking about whether or not I think the Chiefs won it or the 49ers blew it. I'll be doing a preview of the NCAA tournament for college basketball. Give my four teams who I think right now have the best chance of making it to the final four. I'm talking about both NBA and NHL um, trade deadline. Um, NBA's is tomorrow, I believe at 3 or 4 o'clock. And then the NHL's one's coming up as well. So kind of go over some of those bigger trades that uh, potentially happen. But yeah, um, thanks again. Uh, go Bills. I don't even want to say go Sabres. They're not worth the time. Uh, appreciate you all tuning in. Thanks for the support. Hope you all have a good week. Thanks.